Fantasy Football Podcast, put on by your three-peat trash-talking, go-with-your-gut champion, and uh, numbers-obsessed, numbers spreadsheet-loving nerd to bring you some sort of fantasy football consensus to you, the listener. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave, right? Todd, I said every week, but I'm happy to be here. Now, for the listeners... Last week they only they only heard us the one time. We had a little bit of a gap in shows, but unfor- but for their benefit here now, we're gonna be releasing quite a few episodes in the next few days. So hold on to their socks. We've got another one coming out either probably Friday, another one coming out over the weekend. Lots of fun planned here on the Tale Two Rivals, Todd. And man, I've gotten a lot of I'm I'm I have a lot of Todd in my life right now. I'm very happy. I've had a ton of Dave in my life right now. Uh Dave and I hung out in person for the first time in years at a place dear to our hearts david a place dear to our hearts owen o'leary's you want to tell people about owen o'leary's david owen o'leary's was the pl- so our todd and i first met and a lot of our home league the tale two rivers listener league now where we, a lot of us first met was at new england for children and there is a drinking establishment a watering hole directly across the street you can you literally can throw a baseball and hit it it's phenomenal and that's it's you know cheap wings cheap pizza Great drinks and bar games. Lots of fun can be had for lots of young people, you know, working, working weird hours and, and just hanging out with each other. So yeah, Todd, we got to rekindle some, uh, some magic there. And the EKG pizza, Dave. The oh, EKG yeah, pizza. EKJB, baby. Or I don't even know what I just said, but yeah, that kind of pizza. <laughs> EKG, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sausage, pepperoni, and linguisa, I believe, correct? Sounds about right. Yeah, it was delicious. It was awesome, man. It was great to see you actually in person. And uh, I got my beer for uh, the AJ Green debacle. And, you know, maybe we'll touch about those vacated air yards at some point. I'm ready. I'm ready to do the AJ Green DeAndre Hopkins bet. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. But um, yeah, man. Uh, So, I mean, I'll go first with just stuff that's going on with me. Loving the weather. I'm opening the pool this weekend. Uh, pretty stressed out about the cost of chlorine these days, <laughs> but um, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But yeah, IDP guys, rookie mag dropping. Digital copies are out to all subscribers today. That is May twenty sixth. So very exciting. It looks like fire, and it's powered by Fantrax. That's exciting that we had Fantrax jump on board with us. It, that's some super super exciting news. I should be queuing on the air horn, like, bah, 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 bah. you know, like that's very exciting. Very exciting. Super exciting. What's it with you, buddy? Todd, things are going well. Like you said, we got to hang out. That was awesome. You know, I finally got this whole, this whole beer, Rhode Island beer thing off my back. Got to deliver that to you. And, and honestly, man, things are happening. I've been doing a lot of things for the patrons. That's been a lot of fun. Been working in my databases, doing a couple of fun things there. And then also too, Scott Fishbowl is starting up the Potathon. Get excited, people. I'm going to be sliding those DMs probably this weekend. Talking about sponsorships, raised the Potathon raised over $42,000 last year. I think we're going to clear 50 k this season. So get pumped. 
for the potathon. It's it's that time of year, man. Love it. You guys did some phenomenal work with that last year. So keep it up, David. Loving it. Loving it. All right. David, you ready for the question of the day? This one's gonna be a fun one, Todd. Let's let's get after it. David, what is the perfect album to you? Great question, Todd. I've actually answered this question before on Eric Flynn's podcast, My Dynasty Diary. But before I get into my perfect album, I'm going to talk a little bit about my criteria. And it's pretty lofty goals, what I consider perfect. And the first criteria is I need to be complete. I'm not skipping any freaking songs on the perfect album. Every song has to slap number one. And then also, I want to feel the entire range of emotions on an album. I want to be able to laugh. I want to be able to cry. I want to be able to rock and roll. I want to be able to sing along. I want to think about long lost love. I want to think about falling in love. I want to think about family. I want to feel that nostalgia that I always harp on, Todd. And yeah, party, you know, everything. Party, drinking. I want every single thing. I want everything in my perfect album. And there's only one album for me that does it. And it's Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. It's, to me, it's, it's, you know, it's rock opera. It's the best type of music to sing along to. And it's from the unlikely guy, Meatloaf. And it starts off with Bad Out of Hell, the title track. And it's probably my least favorite of the songs, but it's great to sing along to. Then we go right into, you took the words right out of my mouth. It must have been while you were kissing me. Starts with the bat, the dialogue back and forth. Love this. My Actually, this song was right after our first dance to get everyone on the dance floor. Me and my wife, Quinn, we, we got into this song. So this was one of the songs at our wedding. And then Heaven Can Wait slows it back down again. Just a true, you know, a, a nice love song. And then All Revved Up with No Place to Go. Really, I love singing along to it. Party song for me. And then the other side of the, the, the CD goes to Two Out of Three, Ain't Bad. One of me, the great breakup slash heartbreak songs ever written. Baby, I want you. Baby, I need you. But baby, there's no way I'm ever going to love you. Classic line. Ah, gets me every time. And then it goes right back into Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. You've got a baseball announcer in it talking about sex. Unbelievable. Brings me back. And then it closes out with another great love song in For Crying Out Loud. Just phenomenal. Track Todd. And, and, and like I said, it gives me everything. I sing along to it every time. Love it. Uh, I, I'm almost jamming out just thinking about this, Todd. And you know how I feel about Meatloaf. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. And just for you, I'm going to download that on my Amazon Music and listening to it to and from work for the rest of the week. There we go. Just because I need to see if I agree. Now, in typical me fashion, I couldn't do one. But this is actually key to why I picked two. Because I'm very, very particular about having playlists and whatever queued up for when I'm driving in my car to listen to music. There are two albums that I have repeatedly listened to in entirety over the last few years. And it's because they're perfect. Uh, one is London Calling by The Clash. That is the ultimate pop album. And it's just hits on so many different levels with so much different styles of music. It's just so catchy and it just like grasps you for the whole thing. Oh, phenomenal album. And like, London Calling, like, the opening track just brings you in in the beginning, man. It's just just good stuff. And then there's a, another album that I doubt a lot of people would say, even people who are Stone Temple Pilots fans probably might not even say this is their favorite album, Purple. 
that's the album that has uh, Interstate Love Song on it, The Big Empty. So uh, lots of like, you know, really became popular through The Crow. But that album from start to finish is just freaking magical. It just puts you on an absolute journey, dude. And, you know, there's other ones you could throw out, like Dark Side, like everybody will say, you know, and I agree. But those, when I think of perfect albums for me, those are two that come to mind. Todd, to be honest, I don't know a lot about either one of those albums, but I will say what caught me a little off guard is when you said pop for London Calling, or, you know, The Clash, because I would call, qualify that as oldies, but that's just me. It is. It's like, I would call it like... <laughs> I'm just messing with it you. Is. It is. It is. It's a, it's a classic. You. But I'm saying like, I kind of feel like it brought in an era of like, it brought like punk into like, into like British pop. And it gave it like an edge and it was like engaging and it like, I don't know, like Lost in the Supermarket is like a song that I could just like drive around for hours listening to. It's just phenomenal, dude. I, I just did. Just go download that album and just give it a listen and tell me I'm wrong. Honestly, I, I will do that for you, sir. I right. just want to say a little side note, Todd. I, I, you know, as for track, I'm hanging a lot around a lot of athletes. They're listening to some music, warming up and stuff. And what's kind of what I find kind of funny is that what these kids are listening to now, what is basically what we consider the 80s growing up, maybe more me than you, but like, but essentially what was popular, like a kid was listening to Backstreet Boys and he was kind of basically talking about like it was the 80s when, um, for him and he's, he's a sophomore in high school. So just kind of crazy. Amazing. That's amazing. I've been trying to like these kids that are into hip hop music, try to explain to them why 90s hip hop was better than everything and they just don't get it. And I just go, guys just aren't educated. It's terrible. All right, David, you ready to jump into this uh, topic? We're, we're actually ahead of schedule, Todd. Usually we don't get there until like 15 minutes in, 10 minutes in. Let's keep it rolling, baby. I like it. All right. So we're doing our QB tiers again. So we did this previously, you know, it was pre-draft. Like we took a look, blah, blah, blah. We did like some consensus. Now we're revisiting the tiers. Rookies, particularly at the QB position, have completely changed the landscape. So let's always remember why we talk about tiers. Tier drafting is a key to success, especially in Superflex. Now, here's the interesting part. Dave and I have very different tiers, very different. But I would say that the way that we would approach our drafts, thank God we don't have startups right now because Dave and I would be showing our hands to each other, it really does help you find value and where you don't necessarily need to reach. So Dave and I are going to break down our tiers on this show. But Dave, my question to you is, how do you go about placing a rookie QB in your QB tiers when they have no NFL experience? Great question, Todd. And it's basically one is I'm just trust everything that we talked about as far as rookies that I, I have a process where I need to, I look at their entire prospect profile and based on how that profile shapes up, that gives me a certain confidence level and that I, that I have in that player as a prospect. And then also too, a big part of that is rushing especially in today's nfl if a qb if one of these rookie qbs have has rushing upside i care a lot especially about when i'm talking about the rookie quarterbacks i care about ceiling a lot more than i do floor now i do care about a projectable floor and that's another reason why i like rushing quarterbacks i consistently hear people talking about how certain players have high ceiling like a trey lance because he's got rushing upside but the 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 quintessential argument of a trey lance is not uh, any rushing quarterback is yes, they have an rushing upside unlocks the ceiling, but it also gives you a great floor. If you're getting five fantasy points 
on the ground per game. What that does is you only need a base got a buck 50 in yardage and one passing touchdown and you're there. You you've met base you're an at a QB a mid QB2. And that's and that's what the exciting part of a rushing floor. So that's how I go in processing it. I I care a lot more about upside, but there is an element of floor there because what happens is when you look at quarterbacks here and this is actually a more complex question than I originally thought. Quarterbacks, especially these lower end QB1s, so anywhere from like, you know, 6 to 12 or even even a little higher than that, 5 to 12, the players who are finishing there in one season, they're not guaranteed to finish there in the second season because of injuries, because of just offenses changes. A lot of things ha- or they just don't have a repeatable type of season because of their had maybe just were uber efficient and then they regress back to or they regress so or revert to the mean. So that's kind of what I want is I want to try to hit that ceiling because what we have is in that bottom part of that QB one tier is very volatile. So that's kind of how I try. That's why I can how I go about placing these quarterbacks within these tiers is that I really care about upside and rookies. They're the definition of upside and they get a couple of years to try to succeed. So that value is built in a little bit. Excellent answer, my friend. Excellent answer. All right. So now we're going to go into how we develop our tiers. Okay. So I'm going to start. I had six key pieces of criteria, okay? Number one is production. Just the numbers. Like, what did they put up? How many points did they put up? That's important to me. So then two to me is longevity, job security, and sustainability. So I know that sounds like like three things that don't really jive, but what I'm saying is, is a guy that has proven that he's going to be an NFL starter, a productive one, and that they aren't at the end of their career. So those kind of guys, like a good example for that would be like Russell Wilson. That would be a guy, his longevity, job security, and him proving how he sustained through the league would definitely keep his value high for me. However, Russell Wilson offer a ton of upside because he's kind of peaked right now. But then upside also goes with me, but not just with you as being able to be a passer, but also your rushing upside. So it, it kind of balances out. I don't separate those into two different categories. I look at it as a whole pack. Then, of course, is age, which is, you know, the age-old question in Dynasty. And then passing. It's like an eye test and an efficiency piece. And then I do have to consider the offensive supporting cast because that can impact a QB's ceiling. Good players make other good players good. So those are the six uh, key things. Number one, production. Number two, longevity, job security, sustainability. Number three, upside, including Russian. Number four, age. Number five, passing, which is like an eye test and efficiency piece. And number six, the offense and supporting cap. David. That's a lot to break down there, Todd. I like how you do it. Um, now, we do definitely do do it a little differently. And just I'll just dive right into how I do it. And then it'll be kind of interesting. We'll see how the differences play out as we start talking about our tiers. But to do it, I kind of zoomed out a little bit here. And I just thought about the concept of tiers for me. And the concept of tiers is essentially to be in the same tier. I value all those players similarly within that tier. And that seems obvious. But going a little bit further, essentially, I have will anyone in that tier i have i'm willing to either add something to a deal so very minimal add to a deal to go acquire someone within that deal or accept a minimal value in a trade to go up and down so you know say my five players in a in a tier i'm willing to basically take any of those players straight up or maybe you throw in a third round pick and boom deal done don't even won't even necessarily blink an eye to do it and 
when I have to sit there and pause and say, you know, I actually, I don't think I'd do that. Or I, I wouldn't, I, you know, it's a big deal for me when I'm in a startup and I see these players go off the board. That's kind of how it separates. So that's how I separate those players. So that's zooming out. And then I, what I care about is too, is like I mentioned earlier about their ability to repeat, repeatability. You have players with repeatable type of production. So Mahomes, he's been a top QB since he's come after he's that sat out that first year, essentially. He has been a, he's been in there since he's took over. He repeatable production. And then I've got, and, and all that goes into that. So basically I, I care about p- players who've done it multiple times, because if you are, if you look at historically players who have finished in the top 12, if you've done it multiple times, that means you're even more likely to do it a third time, a fourth time. So repeatability is big for me. Then age, yeah, age matters for everything that Todd said. And then also too, I'll just lump everything else into one category as everything that goes into a projecting a qu- like a quarterback. So how much I think that that offense's volume is, their, their pass to run ratios, then how good, how efficient that quarterback is. I love my efficient, my quarterbacks be efficient, have throwing ability. And then also that, that rushing part goes into the production of, oh, man, do I love my rushing quarterbacks? So that's kind of how I do it all encompassing how they project goes in uh, matches with everything that else that happens in the, within the tiers. I think outside of like the supporting cast, like we pretty much value the same things. We just kind of frame it differently and combined and look at it more from a package from this for singling that out. So, yeah, yep. you know, I just think it's kind of like that. And it's amazing because even though like we're looking at the same things, the way that we analyze it within a, like the entire product really had a lot of different results, man. So this was a very fun exercise. So let's dive in. All right. Tier one. So Dave's tier one was one guy, Patrick Mahomes. My tier one was Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott. So David, what separates Mahomes from everyone else? So it's, I kind of alluded it a little bit early on when I was talking about my tiers and, and it's one, he has the repeatability. He has three top 12 seasons. Two of those are top five seasons. So he's giving you elite production and he's got a little bit of a, you know, and then I look at the rushing part. He's giving you at least, he's almost giving you 2.5 fancy points per game from rushing alone over those three seasons. He's pretty accurate. Now he's I mean, not as accurate as some, but he's pretty accurate. He pushes the ball downfield has good weapons. He's scoring a lot of touchdowns, not turning the ball, the ball over a ton. And he's a high volume player because based on what they run in, in Kansas city. So that's why he, I, so players, in my other tiers, anyone in my second tier now, would I trade, would I be willing to just take a third round pick or a minimal value to trade down? So would I take Dak Prescott, who I really like and a third round pick for Patrick Mahomes? And no, I'd want more than that. I'd want at least a contribute, like a, a sizable piece on top of Dak Prescott to get Patrick McCones just because of that repeatability. There's a sense of safety. Now he can get injured. We've seen him get injured in the past and you know, his tight ends, Kelsey's getting a little older and outside of Kelsey or outside of Hill, there's not a ton on that offense for weapons. It's more of a scheme thing, but no, I love me some Patrick Mahomes, Todd. And it, that, that's the difference for me. Yeah. I mean, you can't really deny that Mahomes is by far the best QB in, in, fantasy football anybody who disagrees is just trying to be hot takey and like i'm not listening to it but with dak you're talking about repeatability dak's been a qb1 every year he's been in the league and he's been a top eight qb 
most of those years. Yeah, I think he had one year outside of the top nine. So I, I understand your argument of not wanting to like, oh, I, I don't want to trade, you know, a th- like Dak and a third to go get Mahomes. Like I wouldn't do that for Mahomes. But moving Mahomes down to Dak, you're going to get a similar like level of production and sustainability than you would. Not saying he's going to be at that peak that Mahomes is, but he's kind of at the bottom of the tier. So with those two guys, somebody posed the question on Twitter. I wish I remember who it was because I really liked it. It was just, I mean, it's a question we've all thought about too. It was just fun to look at at the moment. Is there a guy you place into your dynasty lineups and be cool with them for 10 years? Everybody said Patrick Mahomes. And I thought about it. I'm like, why wouldn't I want Dak Prescott for 10 years? Like, why wouldn't I? Of course I would. So that to me is those two guys are the only two guys that I can say I'd want to have them. Does that mean I would trade Patrick Mahomes and go get uh, Dak Prescott plus? No. But I would let somebody else pay up for Patrick Mahomes, let me fill my roster in other places, and then score Dak Prescott and still feel like I have a guy in the same class. So yeah, maybe if I'm hurting other places, I could see trading down from Mahomes if it's the right deal to get Dak. Trading Dak up to Mahomes, no, probably not. So I think that that's a different way that we're viewing that, Dave. 100%. And in a startup, too, that's a kind of a meal, a, a deal that I'm willing to do. Now, do I want to gain just a third-round pick? No. But would, do I want to make whatever, like the standard accepted value to go from, from 101 to 105 or whatever, you know, wherever Dak falls in ADP? Yeah, I really want to do that deal, if at all possible, because that's the goal of startup is to acquire a lot, you know, extra ammo to be able to move up and down and just gain value on your roster. So I I definitely see where you're coming from. I don't think we're totally separate. I just think there's just, you know, just some semantics involved. But yeah, I think I think we're pretty much on the same page. I think Dak gets put in the same uh, tier for me for longevity, dude, sustainability. He's the one guy that I could put in the same category as Mahomes. And that was enough for him to put him at the bottom of a tier of two. <laughs> so it looks like, you know, it looks like, it's like, oh, you're like, these guys are neck and neck. No, there's only two guys I would put in that tier. So it looks a little bit more deceiving than I'm saying, you know? I just want to add one thing, Todd, too, before, because I feel like we're wrapping up our tier ones a little bit. Dak, talking about Dak Prescott, injuries do not play a role for me at all. I am not worried about Dak coming back at all. Are you? No, but if that's, if that were the case and you're not doing the same for Mahomes, then that's not really fair because Mahomes' injury is more recent than Dak's. You know what I mean? And we saw what it did to him. So, no, I'm not worried about it. He's had plenty of time to heal. No, not You've, worried. I've heard people talk about that with Dak, though, haven't you? Yes, I have. And I just, I just, you know me, I'm the injury guy, the doctor, spaceman here. Yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. I totally, totally get why people want to go that route. I just think it's kind of silly. You got you to understand what the injury is, you know? So, all right, David, you want to break down tier two for us? Yeah, Todd. So you have three players in here. Originally, I thought like it was going to be a little bigger, but I'm, I think this might be your smallest tier in all of your tiers. In tier two, you have Kyler Murray, then you have Lamar Jackson, and then Josh Allen. Some of those players are very, you know, we've had a lot of strong emotions in them in the past, Todd. Kind of, and then in my tier two, my tier, my actually, this might be my biggest tier of the night is I've got Kyler Murray. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen at four. Never thought I'd see the day, Todd, that I'd have Josh Allen as my fourth QB in Dynasty Superflex. Just shocked. Then I've got Justin Herbert at five, Lamar Jackson at six, and Joe Burrow at seven here. So almost, I have twice as many players, more than that, 
than you do in your tier two, Todd. Kind of curious if you can break down your tier two, but also why is it just these three players for you? All right. So these guys are elite QB one options. They're pretty much locks to be top eight QBs. And they all offer that that precious rushing upside that Dave uh, explained. Dave made me a believer. I was a guy who's like, I'm going to go find the pocket passers at value because everyone's over like hyping the running. But now like everybody runs. But these are the guys that are particularly special at that. So these are guys that are going to give you the rushing upside, still going to throw touchdowns, still going to throw yards, you know? And I mean, even with like Jackson, like you were going to say, well, Jackson's a throw, but Jackson is like another level of rusher. So that's another thing to consider. And people are sleeping way too much on Lamar Jackson. And he just got the best wide receiver he's ever had in the NFL with him and uh, Rashard Bateman. He, like, and then like I think Tylen Wallace is a big upgrade. And then they have Marquise Brown. He's still got Adam uh, Andrews. I think that that offense is going to be definitely taking a step in the right direction this year. And then Josh Allen, like Dave and I were both, we got proven wrong. And, we ha- and you have to be able to respect what he did last year and say that he is elite. And he's an elite guy who's going to be able to put up passing touchdowns. His rushing touchdowns, he's, he is their red zone back. Josh Allen is their red zone back. He's getting, he's vulture, the quarterback is vulturing Zach Moss's and Singletary's touchdowns. And, and he's, he clearly could throw. So these guys just offer that dual threat ability that you're going to see in a top eight elite QB. Interesting, Todd. And so kind of talking a little bit more about Lamar Jackson as well, Todd, I think people, I think people get confused at times with saying that he's not a good thrower or passer and it being a low pass and volume offense. I think that they combine them as the same thing. You exactly. Look at La- exactly. I think Lamar Jackson is an adequate thrower. Do I think he's an, a top-notch elite passer? No, I don't. I don't think he's a Tom Brady. I don't think he's an Aaron Rodgers or anything along those lines. I don't think he has that in his skill set. However, he's got a 68-point-something completion percentage in a clean pocket. That is in, you know, that is. A look, like right around league average, that's right at what you want. That because that's a stat, an accuracy stat that predicts itself pretty well and is stable from year to year. And Lamar Jackson meets that. It's just a low volume offense, Todd. And the thing is, as I and you said it well, the thing about Lamar Jackson is and why he's in my I because honestly, Todd, I feel a little bit uneasiness with Lamar Jackson after last year because just because of the low volume. I love projectable volume in my offenses. I love that for my quarterback. I don't want, like, that was one thing I had a problem with Josh Allen back in the day, Todd, was that Buffalo was a low passing volume team, and he wasn't efficient throwing the ball the um, two years ago. And Lamar Jackson, you know, he's, he, was effi- he was actually super efficient in his MVP season, and, but he was not as efficient last year. And just the reason why I bring that up is because, and so while on these low volume offenses, that is a concern with me for Lamar Jackson. So that's why I do feel that uneasiness. I really struggled at times where to put him here, but I ended up like, no, don't let that bother you. Because honestly, if there is a player in this, all out of the all, any quarterbacks we've talked about so far that can score a hundred more fantasy points than any other quarterback in fantasy football, it's Lamar Jackson. And you cannot beat that ceiling anywhere. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes can dominate. But he cannot put up that season that that Lamar Jackson can. Do you agree, Todd? Yeah, 100%. So that leads me to my next question. Why the hell did you put Justin Herbert over him? Well, I mean, I just explained it, that the the passing volume isn't necessarily there for Lamar Jackson. So you've got to rely on uber-efficiency passing, which we saw what happens when you have need to be uber-efficient passing the ball. 
you can suffer from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, some of it is the weapons that he has in Baltimore. I'm not thrilled with. I think love Rashad Bateman, Talon Walls coming in, like you mentioned. But also, too, I'm not 100% sold on Greg Roman to be able to scheme up and maximize Lamar Jackson's talent to the fullest. I, there's just, I do like, I do like the passing, you know, there's things that I like about Justin Herbert as well. He's, you know, he's accurate thrower. He's got some, he like averaged about around two rushing fantasy points per game last season. So he's got a little bit of that in him. Now, the reason why I'm not as high as other people on Justin Herbert is, is Justin Herbert threw the ball 40 times per game as a rookie because that defense suffered at times in LA and just overall that offense, you know, as a team, they did not do as well as you, as as maybe some people had hoped early on because they thought that defense was a little better. Just Justin Herbert, I, I get worried when you need 40 passing attempts per game, and he wasn't uber efficient. His AYA, his average yards per attempt, or adjusted yards per attempt, was average. It was I think it was like 7.2. Now, as a rookie, for a rookie, that's excellent. But having that kind of volume and not being uber efficient makes me pause a little bit and just say, hey, in order to move you up to that, that tier with Mahomes that some people have him in, I just need to see it one more season. He hasn't repeated it. Whereas Kyler Murray, who's my two, Todd, he was, a, he was the QB eight as a rookie. He was QB two last season, I believe. Dak Prescott, like you said, he had all those top 12 seasons. And what I love about Dak, I haven't talked enough about Dak tonight, but what I love about Dak too, Todd, is he's done it in a high volume rushing offense when Zeke was getting fed and, and Dak was only getting 30 carries per game or was only getting 30 times per game. Zach, uh, Dak was a top 12 QB. And then, Bingo. and then this season or last season for the, he was a QB one in points per game and he was attempting 44, um, 44 pass times per game. So he can do both. And that's the great part about Dak, along with some rushing upside as well. I think he does 2.5 rushing fantasy points per game as well. Uh, so there's, and then get to Josh Allen. I kind of wanted to move him up, Todd, then from four, but also there is part of me that says, Hey, that was, you just had one of the most elite efficiency seasons we've seen one of the biggest jumps of all time like you have proven all the haters wrong but still a part of me is with with josh allen is todd is that you know i want is some of it a mirage you know when you go from just being below a below average passer to all of a sudden a top two passer in in the game reworked in your there's a lot of question marks still now why is he only why don't doesn't that lower him a little bit? Because you know I'm a was a hater, but I'm not anymore. And it's because even when he was a low efficiency passer, Todd, he was a QB six. He's got that rushing floor. And then and then it's Joe Burrow who rounds out the tier for me, Todd. And this was a tough like. Except why does he go in this tier for me? It's because I've seen it. I he's got more. He's got decent weapons. He yeah. Did he rely on a lot of volume like Herbert? Yes, but I think he demonstrated some. The I t- I'll actually say it, Todd, a little bit of the eye test. He was a leader on that field. You talk about players wanting to come to play with him in Cincinnati. Rookies coming in want to play with him. So that's why Joe Burrow here is at seven. I've at least seen it where I have not seen it from any of the rookies that come in my next tier. All right. So this is a perfect place to segue because I have Burrow in my next tier. So and I, I feel like me kind of leading into why he's not in my tier two is a good segue. So for tier three. Uh, this is where I have Trevor Lawrence as six, Justin Herbert as seven, Deshaun Watson as eight, Joe Burrow as nine, and Russell Wilson at 10. Dave's tier three is his eighth QB, Trevor Lawrence, uh, starts the tier. Nine is Trey Lance. 10 is Russell Wilson. 
11 is Deshaun Watson, and 12 is Justin Field. So Dave has Burrow as his seventh best QB. I am as nine. So that and that ranking is not that far off. But we have them in different tiers. That's the key. Now, I like what Dave said, and I agree with it. I cannot be a fully confident that Joe Burrow will be a top eight QB this year or the year after that. Is it possible? 100%. But that does not put him in the same category as Murray, LJax, and Allen for me. Trevor Lawrence, he's at the top of it because he's a guy I feel like because I haven't seen him play. He's a guy I would have drafted over Justin Herbert if I had the opportunity. So he's a guy I think that could be in that tier two conversation as early as the second season. Dave said everything we need to hear about Herbert. I agree. I just don't have him in the same tier as those three other elite QBs. So Deshaun Watson is a whole nother ball game that we'll get into a little bit later. But I think the best value of this tier is by far Russell Wilson. And people are talking, I've heard people talking about being washed up, get out now, all that. That's wild. Absolutely wild to me. So Russell Wilson is an absolute value play and right now in Superflex League. David, any thoughts, any questions for me? Yeah, definitely, Todd. Uh, one question is, is you said with Burrow, you didn't know if he would be a top eight quarterback in the f- this year or next year, right? That was what your concerns with Burrow was? Correct. So then my question is, what gives you that confidence about Lawrence? Um, you have Lawrence over Burrow. What, why? Because like... You, but, you, but they're in the same tier. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I agree. But you just, I just find it, you know, we've seen it with Burrow, we, uh, but we haven't seen it with Lawrence. Just, just kind of curious what separates them for you. Actually, yeah, what separates them for you? Lawrence, what Lawrence is able to do at such a young age has always stuck with me. Once he did what he did to win a national championship as a freshman, and I watched him play a lot of games. He is the best pure prospect at the quarterback position I've seen since Andrew Luck. End of story. And everybody's scrutinizing him because they're bored. And we've been talking about it for three years because we have to wait for that long. I believe in that talent. And I'm going to say just because, you know, Burrow came into the league. Burrow only did it for a year. Coming out of LSU. Granted, it was a historic year, but it was only a year. Trevor Lawrence was an elite QB in college for three years. He won a national championship as a true freshman. That's insane. And then Justin Herbert was a guy coming out of college I wasn't even that particularly high on. So I believe in Trevor Lawrence's ceiling. And I've been like pounding the table about Trevor Lawrence well, like for years now. So I'm not jumping off that plane right away, dude. You know? So to me, it's like I will go down with the ship with Trevor Lawrence. And hence, I just traded, made a deal where I moved Lamar Jackson to get the 101. Great, I got a bunch of other things back, but I'm excited to see what Trevor Lawrence is going to be this year. Interesting tiers here, Todd. I think we have, we both have five players in our tier three. Now, very interesting. So that interesting here. Now, Trevor Lawrence are both at the top of our tiers. And then, interestingly enough, Trey Lance. I am bullish on Trey Lance. I actually struggled a little bit placing Joe Burrow, one of the questions was, well, do I like Trevor Lawrence more than Joe Burrow? But then he he's proved it. So that kind of go over to me. But in my head, I'm like, I think Trey Lance might have some better upside than uh, and more better ceiling than Joe Burrow. So I really struggled to separate the tiers here. But seeing it being done with Joe Burrow kind of separated that tier. 
And that, you know, Lawrence, you've made, we've talked about Lawrence enough, Todd. I, I really like Lawrence. Um, in, in a rookie draft, so in a startup, the only thing is sometimes I do get a little shy about taking Lawrence in this spot. This is, and that's kind of actually why it's a, a tear break for me as well. I might be less willing to take Trevor Lawrence in this spot in a startup just because I would get a little nervous of him being my first, my most invested in pick in my entire startup. So that, I get a little nervous about that because I think that's what you have to do now. You have to take him there at the turn in, in startups. So, uh, but you know, I've talked about Trey Lance a ton, Todd. I think he ha- very possibly could be a top five quarterback in this league for fantasy purposes, top three easily. I, I'm just bullish on him. Russell Wilson, we both have a 10, Todd. I do worry about the fall off and how he is used in Seattle when, you know, they let him go throw the ball or in the season to go and win. But then it feels like Seattle gets in this, oh, got to get in the playoff mentality, got to win with defense and running the ball. And it's happened. Just the, that fallout for two seasons, small sample size. Yes, I understand. It's an emotional reaction, but that fall off does bother me a little bit with Russell Wilson, and that's why I'm here at 10. Number 11, Deshaun Watson. He was one of my, as a player on an NFL football field, Todd, he was, I was really high on him. I think he was my QB two, maybe, possibly, uh, be, two or three when we did this before the, you know, early in the offseason. However, he tumbles, he tumbled for me. And then Justin Fields wraps up this because you you know I, I talked about how I was surprised about how he fell in the draft, passed over, but analytically the schedule he played, his accuracy, his efficiency, and his rushing ability, and his the level of competition he faced. There's just so much to like about Justin Fields, and I'm really excited to have get him here to wrap up my tier three. All right, so I got a question for you, but I have to uh, I have to let people in about the the pre show banter. So. You asked me about Deshaun Watson, who I actually had in my tier two, because, you know, I want to see what kind of comes out in the end. I'm not, I'm not basing any decisions yet, you know? So long story short is you literally said to me, so you trade the 101 for Watson. And I was like, no. So I immediately took him out of tier two. And I was like, yeah, well, well posed because that I wouldn't, you know? Uh, so I put him under Herbert because I thought about that too, and I was like, "Yeah, you would move a guy like Herbert." So I have Justin for Burrow. You have him at your QB eleven, where I had him at my eight. So are you that worried about Watson plummeting? It's a dynasty league, you know. He might not. He might only miss X amount of games. He might not miss anything. There's just a lot to be known here, man. A hundred percent, Todd. It, it's honestly that. I think the the big part of it is too is because I am very willing to go wait on QBs in a superflex startup. Just I'm willing to to invest in future rookie quarterbacks. That's what I've did. That's how I acquired. Um, how I've done it in the past in in multiple superflex leagues. I am totally willing to accrue wide receiver, young wide receiver talent and running back talent, and wait on and and t- attack veterans instead of getting these younger players because all these players we've been talking about for the most part, Todd are young. Everything everyone's under 25 or 26, I think, in our anyone we've talked about so far, except for Russell Wilson. So, I am totally willing to forego that age and that secu- that the sense of security in these quarterbacks be uh because I want to invest because I don't want to spend high capital elsewhere because I'm willing to get values at quarterback in other places. But if I do want to invest a lot of capital in a quarterback, I do want that safety and I think Right now, unfortunately, for for fantasy 
players, Deshaun Watson does not have that certainty that I can count on. I agree. He If he's suspended, he's probably going to appeal it. Who knows if he doesn't, maybe he doesn't face suspensions for an entire season. Who knows, Todd? And people look foolish as Deshaun Watson is a top five QB again on a terrible Houston team. It, it, there are also, there's a ton of reports that, oh, he might not even be like Houston might not even want as the quarterback. It's tough with all these co- reports and how volatile it is in Houston right now between the quarterback and the organization. There's just a lot of unknown, Todd. And, and I just, with that kind of capital, I'm willing to slide, but his skill does still keep him that tier three where I start, when I talked about my tiers, Todd, I am willing to move players up and down here. Now, would I trade Deshaun Watson straight up for Trey Lance? Maybe not actually, as things we know now, but I will take the value that I can get on top of Deshaun Watson for Trey Lance, because I guarantee you I can get, I guarantee you I can get a second round pick on top of uh, Deshaun Watson for Trey Lance. So that, that's something I'm willing to do. All right. Fair enough. Um, the only other thing I really wanted to point out was, is that, well, actually two things. One, I find it funny that we're always talking about a QB who's falling off like a Russell Wilson when he literally just posted his career highs and fantasy points per game last year. So, and then on top of that, your entire tier has three rookie QBs. So I find it very interesting that Lawrence, Lance, and Fields are all in the same tier. So essentially, you're valuing all those guys pretty damn closely, which I I appreciate. I'm different, but I can appreciate that. Yeah, I do have a top three of my rookie QBs. They've been a tier for me ever. S- they've been a tier for me since about March, I believe. They've been on the same tier. So, uh, and then uh, what's interesting about Russell Wilson, Todd, is too the quarterback position might has changed a little bit since Russell Wilson. So, his, yeah, he had the highest points per game, but you also need to look at how other quarterbacks are also scoring. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Well said, uh, David. Do you want to break down tier four? Yes, sir. So Todd's tier four. Now, this is his largest tier. I believe he has nine players in this tier. He's got, he starts off his tier with, so he clearly, it looks like he has Lawrence in a separate rookie tier, which we've talked about in the past. But so he starts with Fields at 12, Lance at 13, and then Tua Tungavaloa. He comes in at 14, followed by Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, and the names keep coming, ladies and gentlemen, Zach Wilson. Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, and Aaron Rodgers. That is a large tier, Todd. How do all these players end up in the same tier for you? And all, and could you not find a way to break them up? Or are you just, it, it's literally, yeah, just break down this tier for us because there's a lot to this tier for you. So this is the tier that where I'm looking at the draft is, I'm happy pulling out one or two of those guys and looking for value elsewhere in that tier. But what I'm also thinking about is the direction of my team. And maybe I'm trying to balance with getting one of those rookie QBs with like one of the older guys like a Tannenhill, right? So what I got is I'm, I got guys with ceiling or stable, you know? So I'm looking at either a vet that I think could be, you know, a QB1, top 12 QB, or I'm looking at young QBs like a two out of Hertz with these rookies with the high ceiling. You know, so like, do I think that those younger guys could be top 12? Sure. But I don't think necessarily it's, you know, a lock or if it's going to happen right away. But I do know that the veterans I have with them could easily outproduce those guys now. And outside of Rogers, those guys are not going to be like falling off the map like tomorrow. Stafford's got quite a few years left in him. Tannehill does too. 
Aaron Rodgers is literally going to be an elite producer for maybe a few more years. There's a, like, who even knows what's going through Aaron Rodgers' mind with the, like, how long he wants to play football. You want to talk about a volatile situation? Aaron Rodgers is never happy. I have no idea what's going on with that guy, ever. So to me, it's just a balance of whether I'm going to get great production that could be a QB1, or if I'm getting a guy who's young with phenomenal upside that I could see grow into that role. But any guy ahead of them, I am confident they're a top 12 QB. These guys are all either going to have the upside to be that, or they're going to be steadily competing for that bottom of that. Todd, and just a follow-up question here. You alluded to this a little bit, talking about the ceiling versus stable vets. I'm just having, looking through, personally, I'm having trouble separating the veterans in this tier from the young possible ascending players and then the rookies. How are you, how, how does that actually, can you talk a little bit more about that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So typically where I'm looking at these guys, these guys are possibly either I've waited on QB and I need to get two of these guys as like, you know, my one and my two, or this is where I'm looking to like really like get an edge as my QB two and super flex, right? So with the younger guys, you're kind of looking at the situation where like where they're landing. If people are overspending on them because they're younger, then I'm happy with landing a Stafford or, or a Rogers just at the same time. I'm looking for the value in that situation, correct? So then I'm not looking to take Rogers over the number two pick in the draft or a kid who just went top 15 in a really good situation and an offense that really fits his skill set because Aaron Rodgers is just volatile, man. It's about Aaron Rodgers, and Stafford's right next to him, too, because let's put it honestly, Stafford has a very extensive injury history, very extensive. So his sustainability for me, if he's healthy, I love Matt Stafford for as long as he's a starting QB, but, you know, that's the other part of it. So for me, it's not about separating them. It's about paying attention to your build. If you have a build where you're looking like, okay, you know, I got like Devontae, I ended up with like Zeke, you know, I'm probably going to be looking for a Stafford this year in my startup, but okay, Stafford goes early, hey look, Zach Wilson fell here, I'm going to snag Zach Wilson here, I'm going to be happy with that value, even though I was looking for that older guy, I'll go wait and go get like Derek Carr to be that, to be that other veteran for me, so these guys all present similar values in a build, you know? So that's kind of what it is. It doesn't mean that I'm looking for the same thing out of those guys. I just feel like they have the similar value in the way I could build a winning roster. Well said, Todd. And then, so moving on to my tier four, this is my smallest tier as well. So this is both of us. Well, actually, that's not true because I have Petro Holmes' own tier. So that's not true. Um, but it's a very another very small tier for me. I have Tua Tungavaloa, Jalen Hurts, and Aaron Rodgers. Kind of, if I look at that face value, very interesting to put Aaron Rodgers and Tua or Jalen Hurts all in the same conversation. And for me, this is a, my upside tier. I think Aaron Rodgers, his seasons that he could have an elite quarterback play, that is the upside that I'm talking about, but it's different than Tua's and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and Tua are, they've, they're coming into their year twos. They have, Jalen Hurts has a, has that rushing ability that I, that I really favor. I think some of the accuracy concerns and the throwing concerns are a little overblown based on the supporting cast in Philly and the offensive line and the, and the receiving options last year. So I'm willing to 
to write that off a little extent. Now, do I think he's a great thrower? No, I do not. But I think he's definitely better than a 50% accuracy or whatever he was last season. And then Tua, for me, has incredible upside. He was one of my favorite prospects. I had him. I really wanted to put him over Burrow last year when we were doing rankings time, if you remember. Tua was super efficient, and he's got some rushing flair. There are so many Tua haters. because One part, because people love Ryan Fitzpatrick, and rightly so. But if you look at the numbers, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw more touchdowns, but Tua's dot was almost exactly the same as as Ryan Fitzpatrick. So people are like, oh, Tua doesn't push the ball down the field at all. You know, he was a dink and dunker. Well, he's actually did the same exact thing as Ryan Fitzpatrick did, except he didn't throw the touchdowns. So I think they really protected him in year one, but there's reports coming out that they're totally changing this offense. They are looking to invest in Tua as they invest in wide receiver with Waddle. They bring in another, uh, they're a secondary tight end. They've got Miles Gaskin. They're, they're just, they're really looks like they're starting to ramp up around Tua here. So I'm excited for Tua. And that's my, my tier four, Todd. Yeah, so, like, the big thing for me is is that, so it's super thin, but you got, like, Tannehill and Stafford, who I had in the tier with those three guys. Why do those three guys have so much more value over those two guys? That's such a great question, Todd. And the reason is, is I don't think Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, they will never be a top five dynasty QB ever. No matter how good they are. I mean, okay. If they put up a Patrick Mahomes type season, they're going to go up. But realistically, if they have another, they match their career best seasons, they are not going to drastically climb up anybody's dynasty QB rankings because of their age and just the type of quarterbacks they are. So that's kind of what separates me. Whereas I know Aaron Rodgers is going to give me that elite production. And I think, and I, that upside, that hope about the young quarterbacks in two and Hurts, that's what separates them for me. Fair enough, man. All right. So. We're going to get into our final tiers. So, uh, I only have one tier left, but Dave has a tier five and a tier six. So, I will do my tier five. So, these are like my best late QBs uh, as your like second QB value picks. You know, you could win with one of these guys as your second QB if you did really well in the other places. But probably want to come out with two of these guys if you waited that way. Anyways, my tier five. So, my 21st QB was Baker Mayfield. 22, Kirk Cousins, 23, Matt Ryan, 24, Carson Wentz, 25, Sam Darnold, 26, Jameis Winston. So Dave, his tier five at his 16th quarterback was Ryan Tannehill, 17th, Matthew Stafford, 18th, Kirk Cousins, 19th, Zach Wilson, 20th, Baker Mayfield, 21st, Matt Ryan. So his tier six, 22nd, Mac Jones. 23rd, Tom Brady, 24th, Carson Wentz, 25, Derek Carr. David, why did you need to break this into two separate tiers? Good question, Todd. So what I, t- I talked about why Stafford, Cousins, and Tannehill weren't in that tier with the three. Well, if I looked at Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, well, they're in different tiers for me, but they're rookies. They have upside. I just am not high as them as a prospect, so I don't I just don't value them the same. So that's kind of how I, where Zach Wilson winds up with those veterans. I'm also higher on Matt Ryan. I think I, I Matt Ryan, I think he's only 36 years old. People are acting like he's 39, Todd, 40. He's going to retire in the next two years. Yeah, he might. He's probably going to be up on another team. Julio, it's all signs are pointing to him leaving. So that could hurt him. But it's not like that they're not going to have to throw the ball still a lot this year in Atlanta. They're, it's not like they drafted a quarterback to replace him this year. 
So there's a lot of I Matt Ryan's the quarterback for this year, and I really think he's got a lot of potential upside. And a strategy that I have liked to do in building my teams are is to attack this type of tier of getting these older veteran players. So I just I really like building through that, and then I pick up these rookies when they're a little bit cheaper in the rookie drafts, and then building my quarterback position this way. So I really like this. But what separates the two for me is that I just do not have Mac Jones on the same level as Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, any of those players. I, he's just not in that level for me. I think he's there is some. I mean, he's uber efficient, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college. We've talked about it enough, Todd. I'm just not that high on Mac Jones, and so that I put him right there, at Tom, right ahead of Tom Brady because he, people want to. People have been acting like Tom Brady's going to retire every year. Yeah, he's year to year, but would I be shocked in three years? That if he, Tom Brady still has played three more seasons, no, I would not. And he's got the weapons at to 45, do it. At 45. At 45. I'm Todd, I thought he would be retired. Dude, I thought he would have been retired by now. At I never some thought he would point, leave the Patriots. You're going to get hell. You're going to be caught holding that bag, bro. And, and as my QB 23, I'm totally willing to be caught getting right, low end yeah, 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 yeah. QB1, high end QB2. Right, right, right. And he's one of the more tradable. He's one of them also, too, one of the easiest players to acquire. Too. He's very easy to acquire as a quarterback. It's fair. Um, and then Carson Wentz, I feel like I'm, we have both him at 24, but for some reason I felt like I was lower on him than you, but we have the same rank. Uh, I'm just not sold on Carson Wentz, even uh, totally being rehabilitated with in Indy. But I have to respect that I think Carson Wentz is, I don't think he's just going to be out of the NFL or anything like that. And then Derek Carr, I felt obligated to put him there because he's, he's had either that QB2 production. He should be the starter. I wouldn't be shocked if Mariota replaced him, but at this point, it seems unlikely. Uh, and that's kind of why I said him. And then, honestly, Todd, the last part I have to talk about here is Baker Mayfield. I A lot of people have Baker Mayfield, Todd, up. We both are actually kind of low on Mayfield. Uh, Mayfield's your 21. He's my 20. He's my 20. So you're actually lower on Mayfield than I do. I just don't think that in that low-volume offense that's going to rely on super efficiency for Mayfield, I just don't see the upside and a team that's building through defense as well. Of May, I don't. He doesn't rush enough. Yeah, he can rush occasionally, but he doesn't rush enough. I do not see him having more than two or three top twelve QB seasons in his career. Yeah, he definitely can slide into that bottom QB one. I'd be shocked if he had a QB five season in his career, Todd. I, I and that, that's tough for me to say because I love Baker Mayfield. I just don't see it. So, and little to answer your question of why I have two tiers, Todd, is just because I see there's a big difference between Kirk Cousins. And Carson Wentz, though I so and Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr, so I could not put them all in the same tier, and that's why I break them apart. All right, well said. So I'm only gonna bring up two guys, and I'm just gonna piggyback on Mayfield. So Mayfield, the reason why I, I mean, I'm lower on him than you, but there's something about Mayfield. Like, so I have Mayfield higher than Matt Ryan, right? And you have him like back to back too. I think if Mayfield, like, I get that he might not have a top five, but if he actually hits pretty well and he ends up, like, bottom QB1, his age alone will be able to net him some value from somebody who, like, cares a lot about, oh, look, he's only this many years old, and then he, like, just had a great year. So you could probably, like, move him easier than, like, a Matt Ryan. So the two guys that you did not have that I had were Sam Darnold and Jameis Winston. And at my 25 and my 26, it's pretty easy. Uh, they're cheap, and they... They're redemption songs. So, I mean, Sam Darnold was suffering from the succubus, you know? And he's going to a significantly better offensive situation with significantly better weapons. So, 
I'm a believer in giving that a chance for what it's going to cost you. And then he could have this huge bounce back because he's out of, like, it's, it was the worst situation for a quarterback in the NFL. So, yeah, give him another chance. And Jameis Winston, we've seen him being able to be a productive fantasy QB, even though he wasn't the best NFL QB, you know? And he's if he wins the job in, in the Saints, Sean Payton's probably one of the only people that I could think that could possibly make him significantly better. So, yeah, it's cheap. There's definitely some narratives to like lead to some some upside with those picks. And you're talking about two guys that I'm considering outside of the top like 24 QBs, you know? So, yeah, I, I really like taking shots on those two. Interesting, Todd. A question about, I guess my question about uh, Jameis Winston, are you, do you think that he could lose a job at any point this season? Is there, is there, do you, cause you have him in, in a tier with, with, you know, a Mayfield, a Cousins, who I thought you were a lot higher on. I guess the rookies have kind of moved him down a lot further for you. Um, even though he's got those two guaranteed years left on his contract, I'm just a little puzzled to see Winston and Cousins in the same conversation. Do you, is, can you dive into that a little bit more? I did not like the Kellen Munn draft pick at all. I, I did not like them investing a third round QB capital. That, that was weird. Like it's, I did enjoy it. I also don't really think that the Vikings have really succeeded to the level they want to with Kirk Cousins as their QB. So yeah, I mean, maybe he's only there for two more years. There's a good narrative that after two years, Kirk Cousins on a starting quarterback. You know what I mean? So I like him short term, but long term, I have my doubt. So the sustainability is a huge question mark after the draft. Why on earth would they invest that kind of capital in a QB if they were so confident in Kirk? It just didn't make any sense to me. So on top of that, with Jameis, oh, he could easily lose the job. Absolutely, he could use the job. But I also think that's going to push him to try to keep it. And on top of that, if he keeps the job and he's producing at the job, He's in one of the best offenses that you could ever want a QB to be in. So as my 26th QB, yeah, I'll roll those dice, you know? I hear you, man. I hear you. So let's just dive right into some bonus, Todd. Anyone outside your top 24 that you like as a sleeper? Yeah, so um, I'm going to throw a few guys out. Uh, Davis Mills got significant capital. Uh, he's, he's a good thrower of the ball. I was very shocked by the capital. Uh, he's a guy I really like him out of Stanford. He really o- underwhelmed, but he's got talent, man. And if they do move on from Watson, there's a road to him becoming the starting QB. The Bucks uh, invested in Kyle Trask, who is a guy that I was in love with uh, mid-year. And then I started having my doubts towards the end, especially without Pitts. But I think people got like way too out on Trask, way too, like they've gone too far with it. And the NFL has told us, that he commanded second round capital and he's behind a guy who's 42 years old and you're not gonna have to pay a lot to get him and he might end up being a starting QB. So why not? Tom Brady, Fitz Magic, you're a contender. Makes sense. I don't really need to explain that one. Jordan Love, they put first round capital into him and this whole Aaron Rodgers situation is a mess. So that era might be coming and he's probably gonna be cheap. Derek Carr, good old faithful man. That's all there is to it. David, who your buys? So there's some real, I, I had struggled to have some of these type sleeper slash buy questions. I just, it, it was because I don't normally that I usually will double dip in those veteran Todd's. So I'll kind of stay away from these type of upside players 
in any type of draft or in a trade. But Cam Newton, I still, you know, he had over, he had over 17 points per game last season. Most likely he's going to start the season, I would guess, uh, with better offensive weapons, with a better defense too. There's just a lot of things to like. And he's got that rushing floor and he's dirt. You know, there's, I don't think there's a player hated on more than Cam Newton in fantasy right now. Just, I think that there is some, that rushing part, I think there is something to be had for how cheap he can be had. Sam Darnold, he's not, I guess I had to put him on here just because I had to acknowledge the fact that him landing in Carolina and them willing to overlook, you know, trade away Teddy Bridgewater to overlook Justin Fields or a different quarterback just had to show me that they're at least committed to Sam Darnold this season. And I had to acknowledge that because he's got the weapons there and they can, they're going to try to rehabilitate him. So I had to acknowledge that. And actually, this one, this is what I was thinking about when I wanted to vomit when I put him on the list. Todd, I'm actually, the reason why I have uh, Jameis Winston nowhere to be had is I actually think Taysom Hill might be the starting quarterback next season for the, the New Orleans Saints. That that seems crazy to me. You look at some of Taysom Hill's numbers. Uh, I was listening to Road of his podcast the other day. He had 88% of his passes were on target last year. That, to me, is, I never thought in, there would be a, ever a world that Taysom Hill could do that. I think part of the reason why he's hated on Todd is because what he does for his weapons doesn't really let him hit their what it does for Michael Thomas, other players. But what Taysom Hill, when he played, he was I think it was a top six quarter or QB when he played last season. So I think you got to acknowledge that at least, Todd. And then Marcus Mariota, I'll always have a place for Mariota. I think he, I personally, if I was running that team, I'd have him starting over Derek Carr. And then Tyler Henneke, you know, Fitzmagic has gotten injured in the past. Uh, Taylor Henneke has some rushing to go along there. And yeah, Taylor Henneke, baby. It, it, why not DGAF at the end? Did you just have a positive uh, comment about uh, Taysom Hill's uh, throwing ability? Yeah. Yep. I heard that on a pod and I almost pooped my pants. I like, I could not believe that that stat came out. Um, and I, and honestly, some you of it, should see a doctor if that, if that's your effect. Yeah. But honestly, Todd, that's true, but what I think some of my animosity for Taysom Hill is that he vultured from Alvin Kamara, who I love. He vultured from the the wide receivers, and he takes away from Drew Brees, who's been my quarterback for a long time in Dynasty. So there was a lot of personal bias against Taysom Hill, and I also would not run a team as Taysom Hill as my quarterback because I think it makes you one dimensional. But Sean Payton seems to think that he can. Uh, so I just think it's a, as a what a bet you can make. Is and the upside for the upside of any player that we've mentioned, Todd, in this, I think Taysom Hill's upside is higher than he could be a top five quarterback, which I cannot believe I'm freaking say, saying it. No, I, I, no, he cannot be top five. Top that is seven. wild. Did top you just seven. say that? Did you just top say that? seven? I, I I just couldn't say. I almost vomited into the microphone. Did you say uh, that? Did you just top say seven? That? Top you, seven. So it could be a top five QB. All right, we heard it. Wow, wow. I'm gonna definitely make sure JPL listens to this one. All right, David, we did it. Tell yeah. the people where they can find you. Can find me right here on a tale of two rivals. Can slide into my DMs over at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. Can I'm a writer for Dynasty League Football. And I'm also a co-host of the Rookie Fever podcast with Shane Swags or Shane and Mike Finero. So Todd, that's where you can find me. And also too, can inform me over my Patreon account. Uh, I like to personalize things for people's for their spreadsheets, for any projects they need with spreadsheets and also to just help them out with you work through trades and things along those lines as well. And Todd, and also to make sure the potathon again, I'll plug it again. 
that's going to be part my, busy part of my next couple like my next month is going to be all potathon so i'll be sliding into those dms everybody all right you can find me todd foster at ff underscore banterman on the twitter machine hit me up for banter c2c stuff dynasty stuff basketball stuff whatever it is i'm down so uh, you can also find my writing and my rankings over at the idp guys and also go Get yourself a copy of the IDP Guys Rookie Mag, powered by Fantrax. All right, and I will be dropping my first C2C episode within the month. In the month. So, David, it was a good time. KO2 Rivals, out. Happy trading. That was packed full, Todd. Packed full. Yeah, that was good, man. That was good. Um, I loved how different our tiers was. Can we talk about my trade now? I, oh, God. All right. Well, er, hey, everyone who's listening, there's going to be a 25-minute outtake here. Never mind. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> you just killed it. <laughs> I got oh, the man. 101 in a trade, man. I was pretty excited. And two other firsts, and a second, and a better linebacker. Come on. You don't really see that in a trade right now. You don't see the one. The one on one is not trade for usually players. Usually it's traded back in the draft, but to. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty excited, man. I was pretty, pretty excited. Yeah. I let him Lamar go. It was a little hard. Julio Jones, still a top 12 dynasty wide receiver? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The wheels finally came off. <laughs> finally came off. Yeah. They finally came off. They came off. Not finally. They just came off. I feel like I should be twisting this Julio knife a little bit more for all the digs I've taken about AJ Green. And I love Julio too, so that's why I'm not twisting the knife anymore, Todd. But hey, man, the guy helped me win three straight championships in our league. Dig away. Dig away. Bring your best. Can we talk about like. Julio top 12 wide receiver. <laughs> you called AJ Green a top 12 wide receiver. I said he had top 12 wide receiver upside. Oh my God. Sorry with the semantics. <laughs>